Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. While uh, folks are filing in, I'm going to just warn you, these are corny. Just from, so go ahead and laugh. Get, get yourself primed. Everybody just think about the funniest thing you could ever think of and laugh right now. Good. Okay. Did you hear about the new restaurant called Karma? There's no menu. You just get what you deserve. <laughs> Did you hear about the claustrophobic astronaut? He just needed a little space. <laughs> what kind of exercise do lazy people do? Diddly squats. That's it. That was a that was a space filler while people were getting in. And so um, let's just open with a word of prayer tonight. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the gathering. We don't take for granted uh, your presence or our gathering together. We praise you for it. We uh, thank you for the privilege of being able to sense your presence and our midst. And we know, Lord, that you are here to do something in our lives. Speak to us tonight. Reveal your word to us in a fresh and new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, many of you have recognized already that I am not Rosemary. <laughs> she will be teaching next Wednesday night, but tonight uh, I am going to uh, teach something that is, is, we're going to be doing a Christmas theme uh, on the Wednesday nights for the next three weeks starting tonight. And uh, I've called this tonight uh, the Forgotten Joseph. Uh, we are finished with Thanksgiving, and it's over, and now we're just full on toward Christmas. Uh, I know that there are a lot of bah humbugs around, but not here. Uh, <laughs> I, and I like the Christmas season. There are things about it that I don't so much care about, but there are a lot of things that I really do like. I like uh, seeing the Christmas lights on houses and all. I, I, and my house uh, back probably, gosh, maybe 18 years ago, we bought, I bought green bulbs to replace my white lights on my uh, garage, you know, the garage lights, the two, for to be festive. And I think, yeah, it went all out, and that's, I think, the only year I used them. So ours house is pretty bland. But if you have decorated your house, thank you, because I enjoy looking at them. I like the lights. I like the Christmas music. Uh, if you are a, a rocker, or if you like rock, uh, there's a there really cool uh, interpretation of the Grinch, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, by Small Town Titans. You could just write that down somewhere if you like. Uh, Bill, you ought to check it out if you had not already heard it. They're, they, are, they are good if you like rock. If you don't like rock, don't go there. It's clean, but it's rock. And so I, I like that. I, but I don't care so much about Frosty the Snowman or Over the River and Through the Woods, the Grandmother's House, those kind of songs. I do like the Christmas-themed songs that have Jesus in them or are about Jesus. I like, I like the Little Drummer Boy. Uh, 
uh, Oh Holy Night. I love that song. If you are a rocker, there is a, an interpretation of Oh Holy Night done by Weezer. It was one of my daughter's groups back in the day. And it's really good. They're respect, it's rock, but it's, they take, it's all the, the original words. And it's powerful. That's a powerful song, isn't it? Uh, Joy to the World. I like that song. I don't want, I'm not talking about Three Dog Night, you know, Joy to the World. That one. I'm talking about the Christmas Joy to the World. That's a great song, isn't it? Uh, so I, I don't care so much about the shopping part of Christmas. I, uh, and we have simplified Christmas, Cindy and I. Uh, we send money to the kids and for the grant for them and for the grandkids and let them buy what they want. They really like it and we really really like it. It's so cool. So it, uh, we've simplified all that, but listen. Beyond all the lights and the music and the shopping that I don't care about, what I like most about Christmas is the story. It's the greatest story ever told. How God sent his son to be a baby that was sent for the entire purpose of growing up to become a man, revealing the love of the Father while he was here, and then to go and die on a bloody cross for your and my sin. So, man, I just get a rush just saying that. It's such a miraculous story and we have experienced the reality of that, haven't we? Uh, I like thinking about the characters in the Christmas story, the shepherds in the field. And, you know, that night, it was just, for them, it was just kind of a normal night, shepherding, doing what shepherds do, just out uh, tending to their flock by night. And then all of a sudden, the heavens opened, literally open, and there's the choir of heaven singing and announcing the birth of Christ. Isn't that just, just awesome? Uh, the wise men who come from the east, they follow the star to Bethlehem, and uh, they are the ones who gave the first Christmas gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Never thought of that, did you? They were the ones who gave the first Christmas gifts. And so, but the, having said all of that, there's one character in the Christmas story who doesn't get a lot of press, and that's Joseph, the husband of Mary. Uh, he has been called the forgotten Joseph. When anyone is talking about Joseph and in reference to the Bible, we almost always think of the Joseph in the book of Genesis, Israel's son that was beaten up and uh, thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery in Egypt and then later became next to Pharaoh. That's the Joseph we think about when we mention Joseph. And so tonight we're going to look at the forgotten Joseph. The little that is written about him in the Bible uh, reveals that he's somebody we ought to remember, huh? And so if you'll look in your notes there, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mo uh, mother, Mary, was betrothed to G Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public, her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. We're going to look at a couple of things, two things in Joseph's, Joseph's life that we need to believe in. And the first is we need to believe in ourselves. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about being self-confident or, you know, the old thing of uh, every day and every way I'm getting better and better, that kind of confidence and self-confidence. I'm not talking about that. Uh, we need to believe in God's plan for our lives. And I'm not talking about just us in general. In other words, God has a plan for the planet Earth. I'm talking about us as individuals. I'm talking about you and me as individuals. Every single one of us need to believe in God in us. God has a plan for us. And I want you to tell yourself, God has a plan for my life. Good. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. See, you talk about the right to life. That right there is one of the most powerful portions of Scripture in the Bible uh, about God's purposes for a life uh, before it was even born. And so, God has a plan. God had a plan for Jeremiah. He has a plan for us. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, God speaking, saying, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. That one verse was worth the price that you paid to get here tonight. Amen. Every one of us needs to believe that God has an incredible plan for our lives. I want to say that again because I, I understand human nature. I know the way that we are. And sometimes preachers and teachers and all, we say things uh, and it can kind of go, we kind of assent to them. We'll say yes or amen or something. But I pray tonight that every one of us will really hear this afresh, and that is God has an incredible plan for our lives, each of us, every single one of us. And this can be hard for us because of how we see ourselves. A lot of us see ourselves as unremarkable. Uh, most of us are fairly insecure. We don't see ourselves maybe as world changers or world shakers, 
something like that. But the truth is, we see ourselves as uh, some really think of ourselves as being really just kind of inconsequential. That in the, in, in the grand scheme that God has on planet Earth, our lives don't seem very grand to us. And this is why I like Joseph. This is such a cool study because here is a guy that, listen, he is going to be a part of the biggest thing God has ever done, and he wasn't all that grand. One of the most conspicuous aspects of his life is how inconspicuous he was. I tried to do a character study on Joseph, and, uh, you know, nobody writes about him. It's kind of weird. I mean, uh, he, but he's just mentioned a little bit. And so, uh, think about it. The single greatest event in the history of mankind, he is going to play a very big part in that. He's going to be the earthly father of the Son of God and not much is spoken about him. Not much people, commentators haven't written much about him and all that. So, you know, in the Christmas story, almost everybody gets more attention than Joseph. Probably everybody in the Christmas story gets more attention, more press than Joseph. Uh, the Christmas songs that we sing, a lot of them are about Mary, you know. Mary, did you know? That's a great song. Mary, did you know? I love that song, right? I mean, I get moved to tears. I've heard that song so many times over the years, and yet I still get moved to tears over that. I was thinking about this when, uh, not that song, but another song about Mary. When I was a missionary in Kenya, uh, my daughter at that time, she is now, I'm not going to tell you how old she is now because she might listen to this, and that wouldn't be good. So, <laughs> She is, let's just say, older than she was then. She was nine years old when I was in Kenya. And on Christmas morning, uh, we had service, and there's 600 people in our tent church that we had. And my little nine-year-old daughter got up and sang, Mary uh, had a little baby. Mary had a little baby. Mary had a little baby. Here, there, and everywhere the angel said, praise the Lord. Remember that? Some of you know that? That's well, now you know it. Let's sing it tonight. Everybody know. We won't. But uh, Christmas songs are about Mary. We sing about the three wise men. We three men of Orion are, right? We three, you know, you know the song, right? Everybody sing. No. We sing about the shepherds, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. And on and on. We even sing about a little drummer boy, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. But I don't know of any song about Joseph. Now, there might be, but I, I don't know of any. One of the most conspicuous aspects of his life is how inconspicuous he was. He was just an obscure carpenter that God chose to be the earthly father of God's own son. That is just crazy wild, isn't it? God had a grand plan for his life, and I want every one of us to hear this, know it, and believe it afresh tonight. God has a grand plan for our life. No matter how young or old we are, 
God has purposes for every single one of us still. And so we need to believe that. God seems to take particular delight in using the obscure. One of my favorite portions of Scripture in the Bible is toward the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And it's there in your notes, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, the reason this is so important, this portion of Scripture, to me, is because I identify with it. I was uh, talking with Pam before uh, this class tonight, and when I, uh, most of you have heard uh, my testimony, I, I was very uh, hesitant, not, not hesitant, I absolutely hated to stand up in front of people and going through school and all of that. And so I, when I, God started dealing with me uh, about his plan for my life, I really identified with this portion of Scripture. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called. That God has chosen the foolish things. I looked up that word foolish, and in Strong's Concordance, the definition is dull, stupid blockheads. I couldn't believe it when I read that the first time. I said, seriously, in Strong's Concordance, dull, stupid, God has chosen the dull, stupid blockheads, the weak, the despised. He takes delight in using the obscure. And the Bible's full of examples. Uh, the widow of Zarephath in, in uh, First Kings that, that uh, fed the prophet Elijah and her uh, son and a miracle happened when she gave just a little bit that she had left over and God provided a miracle. Ananias was in the book of Acts, a certain disciple that God just talked to and called to go and pray for uh, Saul after he had uh, had a revelation of Jesus and had been blinded and was waiting. And the, the thing that's so cool about this, if you read in Acts, when, when the apostle uh, Paul got saved, his name was Saul, when he got saved, uh, uh, God told him, I have called a man named Ananias to come and pray for you. God volunteered Ananias before he ever talked to Ananias. That's, that's pretty funny to me. And I think God does that with us sometimes. He volunteers us sometimes for things that we're like, wait, what? You know, that kind of thing. And yet, he prayed for him, and he goes, Paul goes, Saul goes on to become the apostle Paul. Uh, there was a lady in the book of Acts called Lydia. She was in the city of Philippi where Paul went to preach, and, and she sold a purple uh, cloth, and God uh, used her to have Paul come and stay at her house, and then she started the church there in her house at Philippi. Uh, Jesus used all kind of obscure people, and he... he uh, used obscure things to illustrate the kingdom. 
Jesus talked about little mustard seeds and how powerful they are. You know, uh, uh, faith is a grain of mustard seed. He, he talked about sparrows. Uh, one of my favorite birds to this day is a sparrow because of the, the symbolism. Jesus said God uh, looks and keeps his eye on all of the sparrows. Not one sparrow falls to the ground but what the heavenly Father knows. And we are more value than many sparrows, Jesus said. Now tell yourself, I'm more important than a bird. See? Uh, he used wildflowers, all of these things, obscure things. The cities God moved in weren't just uh, the big cities like Rome or Jerusalem, but, but he chose uh, obscure cities like Bethlehem and Nazareth. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, but you, and this was prophetic before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah prophesied, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, even from everlasting. So God has a thing for obscure cities like Kingman, Arizona. You know, I believe that uh, God is going to do even greater things in our future than what we've seen him do in our past. We have had, uh, I, I can't even think of how many words, I can't, or uh, uh, prophecies and words that men have given about this city and about our church in this city and the move of God that is going to happen here. We're a part of that. We're we're seeing lives changed and transformed, but I believe God has greater things in our future. He has a thing. God has a thing for obscure people like us. And that's really good because a lot of us feel pretty obscure. We feel almost like who we are and what we do may not matter all that much. And I pray you hear this tonight. Nothing could be further from the truth. Our lives lived for God are anything but inconsequential. Did you hear that tonight? Your life, my life, lived for God are anything but inconsequential. And so this Christmas season, we all need to understand how important we are to God. Uh, many of you probably will watch again the old movie, it's a Wonderful Life during this time. Cindy and I watched the last part of it last year, and, and my daughter w had a child home uh, sick from school the other day, and they went through all the old classic films. They watched it, and she uh, uh, videoed the part of the ending where, where uh, George Bailey, the, the character, uh, James, Jimmy Stewart, where he gets saved kind of, you know, at the end. And she said, it's such, a, it's such a cool ending, you know. If you don't watch the whole movie, go, go to the, just watch the last several minutes. It's just excellent. But anyway, you, most of you know the theme of the story is an angel gives George Bailey a glimpse of, of what the city would have been like where he lived if he never existed. And it's shocking the difference this one man's life made. Uh, now, 
we may never have an angel come to us and give us that kind of revelation, but hear me. God, help us to understand our own significance. Everybody here tonight needs to hear this and believe it. Your life before God is so significant. We just need to believe it. So tell yourself, I believe it. That was a little weak, but we'll persevere. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the king, kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I want you to pay attention to the order here. He doesn't love us because we got washed. He loved us and then washed us. He loved us first. He doesn't, he doesn't love us after we get our acts together. He doesn't love us after we're all cleaned up. He does, but he loved us first, and then because he loved us, then he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Pretty cool, huh? And has made us kings and priests to God, his, his God and Father, to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, these two portions of Scripture tell us what and who God has made us to become. Now, I know, again, we don't think of ourselves sometimes as that special or that, you know, like I'm part of the chosen generation, you know. I'm a, I'm a king and priest unto God, those kind of things. But even though we may not feel that about ourselves sometimes, that's what the Bible says we are, and we are anything but unremarkable. Now, I want you to tell yourself or tell somebody you're remarkable. The holiday season, the time that we're in right now can be a depressing time for a lot of people because of just stuff going on. It can be financial hardships or uh, issues that are going on in lives, and it can be a really difficult time for a lot of people. And if you are going through a difficult time, I want to encourage all of us about how important we are to God. Amen. You are so important to God. You are so important. We are so important to God, and this is the whole reason behind the Christmas story. The reason Jesus was born was because we're so important to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The problem we have is, again, we just don't feel that important. A lot of us don't. And this may be why God chose such unremarkable people or seemingly obscure people, people that may not have been before that recognizable to be part of the Christmas story. 
there, there wasn't anything unusually special about Mary. Listen, there wasn't anything except that she was chosen by God. She loved God and was willing to be a part of his plan. Uh, the shepherds were out in their field just doing what shepherds do. They're keeping watch over their flock, and then the heavens opened up. Joseph may have been just an uh, obscure, ordinary carpenter, but God had a grand plan for his life. Yeah. I want you to hear me tonight. God has a grand plan for every one of our lives. Yeah. If you're viewing this online, God has a grand plan, an incredible plan for our lives. Yeah. And we need to believe in ourselves, in God's plan for us. So, first of all, we need to believe in ourselves, in God's plan for our lives. And then secondly, I'm going to talk about this for a little bit tonight, we need to believe in each other. Amen. Amen. We need to believe in each other. Uh, none of us will become all that we are intended to become for God by ourselves alone. We need each other. Now, this church has always been really good about uh, making me and, and other members of the staff feel like we uh, are appreciated and that we uh, are necessary or needed and, and even liked by most of you. So, but you have been. You've been good about it, and you, you express a lot of appreciation and, and all of that and make us feel that we are needed. The reality is every single member of the body, every one of us, all of us are necessary. We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 22 says, but now indeed... There are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, I want you to say to yourself, I am necessary. You are necessary. Uh, Joseph needed Mary. Talking about Joseph, Joseph needed Mary. We would have never known about Joseph had it not been for Mary. But Mary wouldn't have been able to fulfill God's plan for her life apart from Joseph. God has a grand plan for our lives, but we will never be able to fulfill it alone or all by ourselves. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I know what that means. Before I gave my life to Christ and I was a teenager uh, growing up, I, I felt alone oftentimes, even in a crowd. And I could be out partying with my friends and all of that and yet still feel all alone. And I didn't have anybody to, to really help me up. I mean, my friends were, they were decent enough friends, but they didn't know how to help. I needed, I needed God. 
and I needed the people of God to help me. We need to believe in each other. So this is important because we can be very cynical of others. It's important for us to understand our need of each other because we can be very cynical of others. I know nobody here, I'm talking about people that are out somewhere else, but 1 Corinthians 13, 7, this is the chapter on love in the New Testament, and one of the phrases is here in verse 7. It says, love believes all things. Now, this is not talking about love that if we have God's love that we're just gullible, and, you know, we're just kind of, whatever, you know, believe, believe it. It's not talking about being gullible, but it literally means being willing to believe the best about people. Amen. And this, it can be difficult for us because of, of society uh, often breeds a skepticism and certain distrust of others. Hey, listen, our own experiences with people from the past can breed a skepticism and, and distrust of others. Uh, and so I'm not saying that we should be gullible, uh, I don't believe every telephone call that I get. I get, I get voicemail. I, I, if I don't recognize the number, I let it go to voicemail. And then I've had, I can't, I, gosh, probably 10 times I have been threatened by these voicemails that say, you know, if you don't respond quickly, legal action is going to be taken and blah, 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 blah. Well, I am so glad that I'm not paranoid about legal action being taken against my life. It's been a while since I've done anything that would warrant that. <laughs> now, 40-some-odd years ago, then that call would have gotten me really upset, and I would have probably flushed some things or whatever, but, <laughs> but I'm not worried about those kind of things. It's been a long time since I've been paranoid about having my car searched or something like that, you know? And I wasn't a hardcore doper, but I, anyway, <laughs> never mind. So, uh, but I don't believe necessarily every telephone call that I get and things like that. I'm not, I'm not gullible, and I'm not saying we should be gullible, but we need to retrain ourselves to be willing to believe the best of others. And this is so important because we will never become who God intends us to become all by ourselves. We need each other. So this class is focusing on Joseph. And I was thinking about this. Can you imagine what would have happened if Joseph hadn't believed in Mary? We can kind of read over the Christmas story without really thinking about how it came down. So I want to kind of illustrate this a little bit with words about how this came down and how I uh, and, 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 uh, think it could have come down. I, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, this is the way it happened, but it probably happened something like this. The Bible does say Mary and Joseph were betrothed. In the Jewish custom of that day, there was actually they, they were legally married, but there was a space of about a year before they would come together as husband and wife and live together as husband and wife. You know what I'm talking about. And so they had not uh, lived together yet. They were betrothed. They were legally married, but they hadn't been together. And so 
uh, one day, Mary comes to Joseph, and this is the way I kind of think it may have happened. May, may not have, but kind of just the way I think of it is Mary comes to Joseph and says, you know, uh, Joseph, we need to talk. <laughs> and so Joseph being a guy, relationship, you know, when you're dating and stuff like somebody, you know, the, the, the one that you're dating says something like that, you know, you get answering and your first thought, this is how, how I would have thought is like, uh, oh my gosh, she doesn't love me anymore. And, and so maybe, maybe Joseph says, oh, is it, you don't, you don't love me? Or is that, is that, oh no, Joseph, it, I, I love you. I love you with all of my heart. They go, oh, well, I can handle anything then as long as I know you love me. And she goes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> but wait, it's really God. So listen, how would you, what would you have thought? We do know that he found out she was pregnant before they came together, and yet the Bible says of him that he was a just man or a righteous man. He believed in her, and so he didn't put her away. Uh, he didn't uh, expose her. And fortunately, we don't know the timeline, but fortunately, sometime after she, he comes, becomes aware of her being pregnant, an angel comes and tells him, and I'm paraphrasing, but it says, it's okay, Joseph, it really is God, right? The angel tells him, you know, that uh, she is with child of the Holy Spirit. So, Joseph believed in Mary. We need to believe in each other. Uh, people in our past have let us down. Probably a few of us, people have let us down in the last week. But that doesn't give us the right to become cynical, suspicious, and unwilling to grow in God with each other. And I bring this up because it's, there's a trend right now in, in the way things are uh, where church just becomes and our gathering together as a church becomes something like, oh, well, I can, you know, it doesn't really matter. Now, I want you to hear me carefully, and especially if you're viewing this online. I, uh, if you are concerned about gathering together because you have a low uh, immune system or you're concerned about COVID and, and that and you're viewing online because of that, understand that. I, I get it, and no condemnation at all for that. But we need each other, and the gathering of God's people is still so very important. So, when you do feel comfortable, be sure to come back to church. We need each other. We need the, the gathering. We need the assembling of ourselves. There's something that happens when we gather together in, in, uh, as a group and a moving of God's Spirit that does not happen the same way by ourselves alone. And, and God's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we can experience, I've experienced God all by myself in tremendous ways, but there is something of God's presence that moves. We need each other. 
We need ministry. We need teaching and preaching, and we need corporate worship. That's why the Bible's full of, of verses in the New Testament about the gathering together and worshiping together and singing songs together and hymns and spiritual songs, all of these things. We need each other, and we need to believe in each other. Uh, the, the, you look through the New Testament, it talks about churches and the, the difficulties they had and squabbles that they had. Even several of the apostles, n big named apostles, had arguments with each other. And all of these things, life, being people, it happens. But that doesn't give us the right because we have had a disagreement with somebody or something happens where we just go, ah, just, uh, just forget church. You know, I, you remember the, the old the joke about the guy on the uh, desert island? He'd been on a desert island for like 10 years or 20 years or something, and they rescue him. The, the boats come, and guys get out, and there's, uh, there's this little hut that he lived in, and then they see two other huts. And so the guys ask him, what's, I see your hut that you live in. What's that hut over there? And he goes, oh, that's, that's my church. I built a church. And they said, well, what about the other church? And he says, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> we, we need to recognize the importance of the gathering with each other and uh, the importance of each other. We are important to each other, Amen. vitally important. And so, I just as I bring this to a conclusion, get, getting ready to, there's hope for the end of this, guys. And so, uh, we should look ways for we should look for ways to get to know each other better. And one of those ways is getting getting more involved, maybe. Uh, uh, women's Christmas party is coming up. I saw the sign up list for that, and man, it was impressive. I was happy that. Uh, all the ladies were going to get together. Men's meetings. We have men's meetings monthly and, and things like that. It's good times besides just the regular worship services to get together and get to know each other, getting involved in, in ministries, maybe even children's ministries or greeting or ushering or things like that where we can get to know each other maybe a little better. It's important. Say to yourself, it's important. To do all that God has called us to do, we're going to be, need to be willing to grow together and believe in each other. Amen. Okay, real quick in closing. We need to learn to, and practice the art of encouragement. Say, I don't really know what, how I can be effective in my life. If you will learn to be an encouragement to other people, your life will be so valid and that God will anoint you, seriously. God will uh, impress on you words of encouragement. I'm not talking about just these heavy revies or something, but just a word of encouragement for each other. I know I can remember in, in the church that I got saved in, there was a guy named Abe that came to church one night, and the pastor said something simple like, hey, a Abe, it's good to see you. And that one statement, he said, changed his life. Something so small, you know, because he felt, Abe felt insignificant. It's incredible what we can do 
if we'll just let God use us. Sometimes we think, well, people don't care what I think. Well, they do. We need to be available to just be encouragement to each other because God knows the devil is a discourager. He is an accuser. And just to be able to speak a good word to each other is valuable. Uh, a couple of verses of Scripture, and then we're going to pray here in just a minute. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort one each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Proverbs 15.23, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And all of us probably have experienced that from somebody just says something good to us, encouraging word, can make the difference. Very important. We should train ourselves to look for the best in others and compliment each other. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Uh, There are those viewing online or, and and maybe it it is after this time and they, you pulled it up online and, and you're, you're listening to this, or maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Nobody looking around just for a moment. And tonight, uh, I want you to know the whole purpose of the Christmas story was because God loved you so much. God loved us so much. He sent His only begotten Son, and it was for you. It was for me. And if you've never accepted Christ, you're viewing online, or you're here, and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, if you've been away from nobody looking around for a moment, just where you are, just slip your hand up and say, would you remember me in prayer uh, for forgiveness? I want to ask Christ to forgive me of my sin. Just slip your hand up. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Amen. And there are those viewing online. We're going to pray, and I want all of us to pray here together. And Again, before we pray this prayer, just know God loves you so much. This whole thing of Christmas, you know, and beyond the lights and the music and everything else is the greatest story ever told of Jesus coming, birthed, lived to show us who God was, what God the Father is like, and then died on the cross for our sins. He did it for you. He did it for me. And would you, would just everybody just repeat this prayer with me, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer and confession. But just repeat this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming, for living, and for dying on the cross for my sins. I recognize that I have sinned, but I believe You died for me. Thank you for that. I receive your forgiveness tonight. And your word says that if I confess my sins, as I'm doing now, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus for washing me in your blood, making me clean. Amen.
Now, would you just repeat this confession with me, prayer, really? Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for making my life significant and giving me purpose. Help me, Jesus, to believe in others. I need your grace to help me believe the best about them. I ask you to help me to be an encourager and to show others how much you care for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. That's our class tonight. Next Wednesday night, we'll be having class again. Uh, Rosemary will be teaching at 6.30. Don't forget about the weekend at 10.30. And uh, if you ask Christ to come into your life, maybe it's a recommitment or something, just tell somebody what God's done for you. God bless you. Amen. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.